When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting from the Annie Up Studios, it's the longest-running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scales. Hello, A-Team. It is Friday, February 17th, and it is good to feel good. Thank you to everyone that reached out to wish me well. It means a lot. A few days from now will actually mark the third month since taking over Annie Up, and this is my fifth episode of the podcast. I feel like that's a pretty decent sample size to really solicit thoughts and opinions. So, what are your favorite segments? What are your least favorite, and why? Send your thoughts to podcast at com. Lastly, if you've heard the ambassadors talking about their area and you would like to represent the area you live in, email the show. Again, it's podcast at anyupmagazine.com. All right, that's all I have, so let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. All right, here I am around the table again with Mike. How you doing, Mike? Hey, Joe, I'm doing really well. Uh, it's been kind of crazy week down here. We've had a lot of rain. We got close to two and a half, three inches of rain this week, I believe. I mean, it just pummeled us. Then, and then I woke up the next morning, and it was all squishy. And the next morning, it was ice. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Listen, how are you doing? That's what I want to know. Um, you know, it's uh, it, you have one heck of a weekend, man. Yeah, yeah. So um, first, first I got through being... Uh, Got through my little cold spell there, and that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Then you hit the Super Bowl. That's right. Uh, speaking of which, uh-huh. we got to talk because, uh, well, we'll get to our, we'll get to our prop bets in a second. Okay, all right. Because I figure uh, I'm still the short stack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because this was the first year that the Super Bowl was held in a city where there was actually legal sports betting. So. As you would guess, there was a lot of it. FanDuel, which is just one of the sports betting sites, they said they were taking 50,000 bets per minute at one point. Lord of Mike. Could you imagine? 50,000 a minute. I'd like to have stock in that site. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A little bit of stock in that site would be nice. Yeah, so I don't know. I haven't seen the numbers of, of how much total was wagered on the Super Bowl, but I know that um, the Nevada Gaming Commission, I think they came out and said uh, they had uh, over $150 million just in the Nevada side of it. All that money going around there. Mm. Speaking of all that, we'll just go ahead and jump right into our our little prop bets here. Yep, so we can figure out how many soda pops I owe you. <laughs> I don't think uh, either one of us did great on these, so we wouldn't have made any money for sure. Okay. Our first one, the national anthem, the over-under was set at 124 seconds. So two minutes and four seconds was the over-under, right? Yep. We both took the over. Because of the runs that he sings. Yeah, but uh, he finished it in two minutes and one second. Oh, see? See, he should have taken a breath. (laughs) Lord almighty. The funny thing to me is that's the exact same length of time that the National Anthem was the year prior. So 2022 and 2023 were both two minutes and one second. Huh. Kind of makes us think about next year, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. They're going to do it two minutes and six seconds next year. Right. So that we'll bet on the lower end. Then the next one was uh, Chris Stapleton's hat color. Let's let's don't even talk about that, because the more I I thought about it after we had talked, and the more that I talked to you during the week, what was wrong with us? Right, we sh- we definitely should have. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
but the national anthem guys he doesn't wear a hat right right so i will give you i will say though i saw a video of him getting off the bus and he was wearing a brown hat with a feather uh see i won i won he wore a hat and i'm giving you a half a point Okay, I got half a point. You get That's a, all I'm you getting. You get half a point on that. Uh, next was the over/under song totals for the halftime show. Okay, and the over/under was set for eight and a half. You took the under. I took the over. It was definitely the over. But did she sing whole songs? No, it was not the whole songs. Okay, so I probably the under one then. Half songs are under. By by the technicality. <laughs> I know. I'm okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Hey team, I need some help. I want y'all to talk to Joe. Send a send a text in here or send something to him. That half a song is not a whole song, right? Be with me. help me, guys. I need some help. <laughs> um, the next one was Rihanna's hair color. You chose blue. I chose black. It was definitely black. Then the Gatorade color. We both chose any other color than clear. Because what is clear Gatorade? Um, and it was purple. Okay. So see if it's we clear, both got that one. If it's clear, it's not Gatorade. At least down south, it's not. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then just one more uh, point to get to. We've we've talked a lot about Kentucky lately, actually. Yep. But. Last week, we talked about Kentucky. They uh, did away with the bill for online gambling. Yeah, yeah. so they could squeeze in and get the other stuff passed. The sports betting, yeah. Well, Chris Moneymaker has a poker room down there in Paducah, Kentucky. And uh, he is being forced to shut down the poker room. Oh, why? After the... The local authorities threatened criminal action if he did not shut down the poker operation. Oh, good Lord. Well, so, you know, he's going to shut it down. I understand, but... uh, And they had just opened in September, and you know he put a lot of money into that. Yes, sir. It was, it was approved by the county attorney at the time, but they elected a new county attorney, and he reversed the decision. So they they pulled out the poker tables, and right now they have pool tables and food. So hopefully they can still pay their uh, their staff by what they're making there. But obviously the poker was their biggest money maker there. No pun intended. I ain't driving to Paducah to go play billiards and eat a hot dog. That's sad news. Um, yeah, th- I feel like is. we've got yeah. we've had a lot of sad news coming, poker related sad news coming out of Kentucky. Well, let me let me give you some good news. All right. All right. Give me give me some good news. Um, let me just say that uh, I didn't make it to the rivers last weekend. Obviously. What happened? Um, well, all of a sudden, it dawned on me that uh, my anniver- my thirty fifth wedding anniversary was right in the middle of this week, and I yeah. needed to. Uh, I I just needed to spend some time at home with my wife. That's and, good. You know, she had a she had a, something planned on Saturday that uh, she had mentioned Friday to me, and she said, I'd really like you to go. You know, it'd be nice, but, uh, you know, she understood I was going to play poker. And the more I thought about it, Joe, the more I said, you know what? She's more important than me going to Portsmouth. Absolutely. So Good decision. I said, I'm not going. And uh, and I didn't. I went with her, and I had a marvelous time. And uh, the biggest thing about it is, though, I'd, I'd like you to, I'd like to extend the, the olive branch out to you, though, because I know how hard you've been working trying to get this set up so uh i made i planned something for you and uh, i think we uh, i'll talk to your uh your better half and to talk to mine and uh i've booked us a room in portsmouth for the weekend i'd like to invite you to come down and stay uh a couple of quart jars and, of, the, of that clear gatorade and then yeah. we'll just go play some cards you want to We'll play some poker. Hey, I yeah, like okay. it. And then the weekend, the week next week, guys, we'll have some real table talk to grab hold of. We'll there you be, go. We're going to ask these boys what they think about. What would y'all like to talk about around the table today? Because yeah, I know what I'm going to talk about. Winning. I would like to go one weekend and not beat a short stack. <laughs> <laughs> and this is going to be the one. Well, I'm glad that you said that. I hope so. 
<laughs> yeah, that's all I got for this this week, buddy. All right, well, let's do it then. Uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Bye, my friend. Bye. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. And he is here with me again today to go through another Call the Floor. How you doing, Elliot? Doing pretty well today, thanks. How are you doing? I am doing much better this week. I'm glad to hear that. You were sounding uh, pretty down there last week. Yeah, it was it was a rough week to get through, but we made it. So, hey, today's call the floor was sent in by Vic G. And uh, it says he was heads up on the river in a 1-2 No Limit Hold'em game. I'm first to act. I announce all in and toss in a single $5 chip. I have my opponent covered. My opponent, who is wearing earbuds and cannot hear me or the dealer, also tosses in a single $5 chip. I table my hand, and my opponent mucks after flashing me his cards. The dealer rakes in the cards, pushes me the pot, then reaches into my opponent's stack and sends his chips my way. My opponent removes his earbuds to ask what's happening. The dealer explains that I announced all in, which the dealer repeated, and that he called. Because this was the most experienced dealer in the room, he didn't bother to call the floor. My opponent never protested after hearing the explanation, and the game continued. If you were called the floor, how would you have ruled? Keep in mind that this room does not use all-in plaques, as some rooms do. Uh, First of all, I would like to welcome Vic G back to call the floor. He was a fairly frequent poster in the past. Yes. And uh, I'm glad to see we still have uh, subjects and areas to cover. I'm very impressed that he's uh, found so many adventures in poker <laughs> that need uh, an outside opinion. It's, wow. I, at some point, I hope he gets to play in a very unadventurous, un- uninteresting game. <laughs> <laughs> but he hasn't found one yet. <laughs> uh, this one goes back to hand protection and paying attention. Uh, they're intertwined. They're almost the same thing. And my views obviously align with this room's. I I don't show much mercy or forgiveness to people who are wearing headphones and not being able to pay attention to what their opponents and the dealer are saying. Right. This was the correct outcome. I mean, forcing him to put the money in was good. This probably should have been done by the floor. Once there's a dispute over what somebody's action is, uh, the floor really needs to make that final call. Uh, I'm glad the dealer did make the right call, but it was a at least somewhat apparent that the person calling the $5 was potentially unaware of what the true bet was. And that is a dispute that needs to be settled above the dealer level. Going back to the original bet, once again, I am not in favor of players being lazy, uh, cute, or overly efficient. If your intention is to bet all in, then you need to bet all of your chips. At least move a full stack forward. Right. And let me offer yet another view. Uh, What if the player in the headphones protested heavily to the point where we had to get confirmation from surveillance on the bet. Surveillance in poker rooms is generally only done by video and certainly not by audio. They would have no proof on film other than a $5 bet being placed and a $5 bet being accepted and called. That makes sense. So don't be cute. And as dealers, <laughs> don't be cute. Don't accept, especially in a room without all in buttons or plaques, do not accept the one chip bet is all in. As a dealer, you can't do this. And I specifically train the dealers in the rooms uh, in which I've worked to make sure that anybody betting all in is moving at least one full stack of chips, if not all their chips, uh, regardless. And we let the dealers know that it's okay to inform the players. It's for the cameras. We want to protect you. If you're moving your chips forward and your opponent says call, you're moving your chips forward, protects you from not getting paid. I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. What's the reason for not using an all-in plaque, though? I don't know. Any number of reasons. They couldn't have gotten around to it. Uh, They don't believe in them. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't believe in them, but again, you don't want to clutter the table. I can see that point of view. You want poker to be played like it was many years ago, and and you moved your chips. But again, in this day and age, where people are much more connected to their phones, whether their pods are in their ears or whether they're just uh, texting their friends, people's attention are on other things other than the game in front of them, regardless. And at least they're not slowing the game down. And I'm thankful for all of you who can multitask while playing poker. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But in this day and age, there's really little excuse for not having all in plaques. Too many people are betting sports. That's much more prevalent now than ever before. 
Too many people are right. texting. We didn't yeah. have smartphones 20 years ago. Uh, there's too many things for people to do while seated and playing to not have visual aids to make the game more efficient, but also much more fair is really not excusable. And I don't agree with poker rooms not putting all in buttons and plaques in play. Yeah. You know, like you said, especially with the sports betting and things like that. Absolutely. I appreciate you, Elliot. Thank you, Vic, for sending that in. And if you have a call the floor that you would like Elliot to go through, send them in to podcast at anyupmagazine.com. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. All right, here we are with another Hand of the Week with Tay Whiteside. How you doing, Tay? Good, Joe. Happy to be back. Hope everyone's good out there. Ready to limp through some poker hands here. <laughs> Hit me. So Hayden Andrew sent in two hands of the week. We're going to go through one today. What a lucky guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Double attention. Yeah. They ran into a couple of bad spots, I guess. So uh, we'll see how oh, it works no. out. We got to call them and see how they're doing. Right. If they've had two bad hands. <laughs> we need to check on yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. If anyone's heard from Hayden, let us know if they're doing okay. <laughs> All right, so in this first one, the main player, so the villain in this instance, plays regularly at this poker room. I will classify him as a thinking player, Mm. but not very good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Maybe slightly winning. He is playing quite aggressively and pushing people around with his stack size. We haven't really played any hand together the whole session until this hand. After one limper, the villain raises to $14 and gets called by the cutoff and button. I'm in the big blind with nine of hearts, six of hearts. What are you going to do? Okay, so they're a thinker. They think they're thoughtful. Right. Meticulous. And uh, and all of a sudden, trying to and pushing people around. Pushing people and around, And yeah. if they have a stack, that means that, yeah, they've been winning. Right. Uh, at least some. We're the big blind. You've got one limper. Yeah. And the villain raised to 14. And then he got called by the two after him. Gets called by the cutoff and button. Right. And I guess we can assume the small blind's probably out at this point. Right. Does it say how much money we have or I have? It does not. Okay. Let's assume it's a million dollars. Okay. Well, 14 is not nothing, but it's not huge. It's a decent-sized pre-flop bet. Six nine suited both hearts. Uh, I like that as we got a, we got a, a flush draw potentially. Let's call the 14. I think I'd call the 14. Have they? This is the first time playing it uh, right up against them. Right. We've, they play at the yeah. poker room regularly. All right. They would classify them as a thinking player, but not very good. Slightly winning, maybe. Okay. Thinking, little reckless. They play quite aggressively and are pushing people around with their stack size. Well, then based on that, I got hearts in the pocket, 6-9, potential straight run as well. I'm going to call that 14. Bring it. well hayden also decides to call okay the flop is the king of hearts the nine of clubs the three of spades Mm. so you got middle pair and you're going to be first to act what do you do all right well i've got two hearts a third heart hits the table but that's it got a pair of nines not great but not terrible you know the flush is looking a little more elusive now so uh we're, let's do some math, right? I think there's, if there were five people in right. at 14, that's 70. Right. And, and then, then the, the small blind. Yep. The small blind. So there's 71 on the table because the small blind folded after their one, which tells us that we're playing one-two poker here. Right. I'm going to bet, and I'm going to bet 15. All right. So you're betting about quarter of the pot, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because, I, again, I didn't think about that initially. I just thought about the bet that I called before. Right. And I didn't want to do lower than that. <laughs> and 15 was sort of a round number. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but think, trying to think how you think, you know, you, you bet sort of based on percentage of the pot, actually. You look more at the pot, which is something I don't typically do. And obviously that's important because it sends a certain message depending on. Depending on, right, the type of player you are and, and what your typical uh, style of play is, right? Mm-hmm. So in this case, Hayden decides they're going to check the original limper. Mm. They were in middle position. They check, and the original razor fires 55 into that pot of 71. Mm. It's folded back to me. What do we do? 
That's a Joe Scales move right there. <laughs> a little more aggressive. <laughs> okay. Well, 55. So, so that we lost somebody on that round, right? The cutoff and button folded, and then it's back to you. Um, okay. Gosh. So I'm really the first one to make a hard decision. <laughs> yes. Really? Yes. So your move, um, just, you know, to compare these two, right? Your move was you bet quarter of the pot, right? Sure. And I, and if that was real, I was then met with like three quarters of the pot. Right. But in this case, it checked to the original raiser who bet two thirds of the pot. So he. So now I'll put myself back to where I just played the, le- I checked. Right. I have no extra money in the pot at this point. Right. And then you get slapped in the face with 55. <clears throat> I am not very confident that I would win this hand. But are they bluffing? They are a little reckless. Right. They did say, right, that they were playing quite aggressively and pushing people around with their stack size. Mm-hmm. Do we stand up to the high school bully here? <laughs> or do we cower and run so we don't get stuffed in a locker? Oh, boy. I still wish I knew how much we had in our stack. I think I'm going to fold. Okay. Regretfully. <laughs> and, a sh- and shamefully. <laughs> I don't know. Of course, you know, what is someone else's money, I want to be like, sure, call the 55. I mean, here's, here's the thing. You do, still, still have, yeah. you do still have one player to act after you, which makes things a little more scary. You shouldn't really think about the limper, really, at this point. No, he definitely makes a difference. Yeah. Like, um, and and I'll I'll just get clue you in here a little bit that the um, uh, Hayden looks down at the original limper in middle position. I glance at the middle position player, and he is ready to give up once he saw the flop. So that I mean that makes a difference. That does make a difference. Yeah, that's what you're missing here. Okay, so he hits fifty five. I look to the left. I see middle position sort of like give up emotionally. Right. But he hasn't had a chance to fold yet. So logic would say that he's going to fold, meaning if I fold, he just bought it. Yeah. That does change things a little bit. Now it's personal. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sure. Let's call the 55. Sorry for the roller coaster, everybody. (laughs) Put it all together here. Uh, No, I mean, it makes sense with that new information, too. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said, looks down uh, at the middle position player. They're ready to give up. So I call. The turn comes the six of diamonds Ooh, improving me to two pair two pair now what and i'm first to act yes so it's me this guy and the, um, the limper is wait they, they the limper folded they did fold okay yeah. so now it's just us two okay mm. well if we called the 55 we got to put more in now or at least that much that brings the pot to what 70 plus 110? 70 plus 110, yeah. So $180? Yeah, 181. Bet 100. Ooh. <laughs> Look at me go, huh? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I like No, I like that very much, actually. Bet 100. Uh, we got two pair. If a six or a nine hits the table, I'm doing a dance. (laughs) (laughs) We're looking for a full house at this point because there's no hope of a straight or a flush. (laughs) Well, okay. Uh, I I said I like that, but what's your what's your thought process in in doing that? Well, again, my thought process was a total of 180s on the table. If I called the 55, I was reasonably confident. And if I now take my foot off the gas it's going to insinuate that I'm no longer confident and I might just be trying to limp along. If I show that I'm no longer confident in my hand, he might just try to bully me, even if he has nothing to scare me away. Right. What do you right. think about that analysis? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, it's good. So you're, And a hundred was more than half the pot. Yeah. So. I think, I think it's good to think about things from a standpoint of, what am I trying to accomplish, right? Mm-hmm. If your goal is to accomplish looking strong. I'm trying to be taken then, seriously here, I think. <laughs> like, no, yeah, not, yeah, no BS. Absolutely. Like, yeah. not trying to roll over and not let him get away with this easily. Yeah. Knowing full well the risk, but when that six hits the table, feeling so, reasonably confident in the $100 bet. I like it. Okay. Well, Hayden checks. Okay. The villain bets a little less than half the pot. Which is damn close to what I just did. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's the move? Okay, well, in Hayden's position, I feel like now you got to call. 
Because if he didn't bet, he just checked to play. Obviously, this guy's not going to let us see the fifth card for free at this point. Right. So he bet, let's assume, 90 bucks, $80. He said a little less than half. Right. You call, I call that. Okay. I think fairly quickly So I call that. One of the things that you haven't put into your repertoire yet yes. that I, I, I think um, this might be a good place to add it in is the check raise. I feel like, you know, letting them take control, but then snatching that control from them with a check raise. So you check, they fire, then you raise that. I feel uh, like, you know, in, in this case. And the check made them want to bet. Because you know that they're, yeah. they, they've been aggressive, so you know they're going to probably keep that up, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just letting them put the money in there, and then you're. And then hit them over, the, over that. Right, right. So I think that, and, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I think that's, no, it's fair. that's a good, maybe another option for you to look at in this case, too. Especially because I wanted to bet 100 anyway. Like I said, I would at least call, but. Yeah, that doesn't scare me really either. And now that we're thinking about it that way, sounds good. Yeah. So in any it, case, I'm not exactly scared away yet. Correct. I still want to put in money, and I still want to see the fifth card and what they have. Right. If possible, <laughs> <laughs> you will see. So uh, Hayden says, "I know I should have him crushed at the moment. So if I raise, I think he will fold." Mm-hmm. So I went with just a call. Yep, that was my gut okay. reaction too. So I mean, I I get where you're coming from on that but uh i feel like i feel like a a check raise there if you think about what they could have i mean they've they've been they've been saying they're strong from the get pre-flop yeah and so ace king is in that range ace ace um pocket kings worst case yeah yeah Yeah. we don't we hope we we hope it's not that (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh but something like you know that range so you know i i definitely wouldn't be Afraid, but if they have three of a kind, yeah, we hope that they don't have three of a kind. But at this point, like, I mean, I, I wouldn't be afraid to to be playing for stacks at this point. Yeah. So if, if they, they got a pair of kings, we're still taking it. Yeah, if they've got ace king and and even you know top pair top yeah. kicker at that point, uh, it, we're still we're still in good shape. Yeah. Oh, I so. like this. This is the part of the hand where I start getting excited. So, here so Hayden go. called. The- Hayden called, and the river is the two of diamonds. Okay. Wah, wah. Yeah, not, <laughs> not exciting. <laughs> nothing, nothing impactful about that. All right, so um, we're first to act again. Hmm. Well, we called the eighty, so there was one eighty in the stack plus another one sixty, so three hundred and forty dollars. Now, depending on how much we have, it could be an all-in move. Could right. be you know easily bet two hundred. Just try to. Nothing else is going to happen within reason that's really going to surprise us unless he does have that pocket kings or something i think we've got i think i feel like pocket kings is the only thing we're really worried about because yeah um pocket nines would be hard because there's only two left yeah right (laughs) and same with sixes yeah so so i'm either i'm either all in or betting 200 depending on my stack okay i think that's fair yeah um Hayden says, I bet 150. Mm-hmm. That was my first thought, to be fair, was something. But then I considered the size of the pot. Yeah. And I good wanted job. to do at least half. Yeah. Yeah. So they bet 150. The villain calls with Ace King, and I win. Yes. My original thought was to dismiss the Ace Ace, Ace King, or King Queen hands due to the bet sizing. Was this a mistake? Did I just get lucky? Yeah, this certainly escalated rather quickly (laughs) from a $15 bet. Yeah. So my thoughts, pre-flop. The floor is yours, Joe. (laughs) Right off the get-go, I don't like to call. Just, I mean, the original limper, they're probably going to come along. So you're getting a decent price, and you've got, you know, all of the implied odds and yada, yada. But we're putting ourselves in a $70 pot-ish against four opponents. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't like, I mean, six, nine, it's suited and all, but it's not a super strong hand. We got, mm. I mean, it ended up really well. So you're saying you might've considered folding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so then on the flop, villains betting two thirds of the pot. I think that represents a pretty strong hand, but I mean, they did say they were pushing people around with their stack. So, right. So what's, yeah, that little bit of information changes at least my decision making somewhat drastically. Yeah, absolutely. Know, the way the that emotional somebody acts, yeah. Thing. So 
when you start thinking about the range that you want to put them on there, right? Um, 10, 10 through, I think, ace, ace, king, queen, ace, king, all of those fit in there. I don't think you can dismiss those like uh, Hayden did. So, Which, and before that second six hits, that means it's pair of nines versus likely a pair of kings. Right, right. Which would be the second sign for you to fold, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I, I don't necessarily mind a call, but I just don't know that... Uh, I don't know that I would have gotten into that spot to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, my least favorite part is the turn. Um, when they just check on the turn after making two pair, I I, I hate that move. <laughs> unless your goal was a check raise. Yeah, unless you want to check raise, then what, why are you checking there? I want to get the stacks in. I want yeah. to be playing for all of the money. Uh, once we get to the river, uh, he bets 150 on the river. Gets called uh, winning a nice pot. But honestly, in my opinion, you know, villain's action on the flop was completely consistent with top pair hand, um, which he ruled out. Secondly, having made two pair, his line of betting didn't maximize his profits. And we're always, you know, you always want to be trying to maximize the amount that you can get. There you Uh, go. All right, Hayden, I appreciate you sending those in. And Tay? Appreciate you doing this with me again. Yeah, man. You know, for the listeners out there, it definitely helps when they can paint the picture. You know, oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Let let us know what the people are, what their vibes are. You know, set the scene. Tell us your stack. Yeah, absolutely. Because that tell- helps us sort of put ourselves in that in that room at that table. Yeah, um, yeah. That's a good point, Tay. Appreciate that. Yeah, man. But anyway, and, had a blast. And if you have a hand of the week that you would like for Tay and I to break down, send it to podcast at com. Thanks, Tay. Thanks, Joe. See you guys next week. The question is, how you running? Our Northeast ambassador is Thomas Swim. Currently, he's an assistant shift manager at Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. Hey Thomas, my first question to the ambassadors is always, "How you running?" Um, you know, up and down. <laughs> uh, for me, it sort of depends the day. Depends how much after I win, I go out and blow on the craps table. So <laughs> that's uh, it's pretty typical for me. Uh, I like normally take my winnings and head out there. So that's really is the definition of if I'm doing good or bad is how the dice are rolling. But you know, <laughs> I guess it's go. neither here nor there. But I run pretty good sometimes. I mean, sometimes not. It. I do play a lot of Hold'em. Uh, I play as much as I can, as much as I can get away from work and stuff, but I say I'm running, say I'm running okay. All right, good. I, I know you, we've we've kind of talked back and forth, and you told me you were playing poker since you were 16. I, I'm sure, I mean, you, you just mentioned Hold'em. I'm sure you started with that. Is that still your game of choice? Yeah, it's still my game of choice. Um, I do like to mix in some PLO when it's running. Availability is the biggest problem with PLO, especially live PLO. Okay. Um, the times locally in the Northeast, when it, or my, at least in my area, when it gets off, um, it's relatively rare. When it does go, I always put myself up on the list, but it uh i I do enjoy playing it, but it doesn't always, you know, it's not always available. So sure, yeah, that makes sense. When we talked before, you said you've been to almost every card room north of Atlantic City, except for Montreal's Playground and card clubs in New Hampshire. Are those on the wish list? Yeah, um, I've I've been trying to get up to Montreal for a while, and then with the pandemic and stuff, made it tough, can't really get across the border. Um, New Hampshire is full of these California-style club, card rooms, Yeah, and... I, I've always wanted to get up there. The one that always intrigued me was Chasers because they run these really crazy promos up there, like $1,200 every hour in a, ta- in a room that's got like, you know, nine tables in it. Wow. So um, I've always wanted to get up there to uh, try and get that experience from what I hear the action's insane. Um, and now with the, you know, the card room in Boston going, uh, you know, losing a lot of its tables, I do see a lot more action headed up that way towards Chasers or to... Boston's billiard room, those two card rooms. So okay, all right. Well, listen, I'm super excited to have you on board to help get a view of the poker scene around you. So, what's things looking like? Uh, are there any big tournaments up there right now? Um, so there's not any really big series happening right now. Uh, the next big series that's happening, you know, is uh, Turning Stone is running their World Series event. 
Uh, we're, uh, River Schenectady is also running their Electric City Series event coming up in April. Yeah. I recommend people check that out when that becomes available. Um, yeah, but Turning Stone's running their their uh, World Series events, their circuit events. That's coming up in March. Um, lots of different varieties for, for that tournament. Um, you know, a bunch of 200K guarantees. Um, the one that I plan on playing is the 6 Max 25K guarantee. Okay. You know, nice one-day event. So uh, that's all what always catches my eyes. I don't like to sit for multiple days and stay in a hotel room if I have to. And they are running a bunch of one-day circuit events. So if you want to try and get your ring in a single day, they are offering that up there okay that's good uh what about uh big promotions with cash are there a lot of promotions happening with that yeah so you know there are cash promos everywhere some sometimes they're hard to distinguish like where am i going to get the best value um you get you know like rivers and schenectady where we're on 500 every half an hour friday and saturday we have no bad beat um but you know there are there's a lot of action up there Springfield, um, Springfield in Massachusetts, the MGM out there, they condense their promo. So some days they'll have no promotions, but that's only so on the days that they need their bigger promotions. It seems to me anyways, that they can give away more. So, and then you, uh, if you look out to Boston, they've got a pretty big bad beat right now. Their bad beat is at 32,000. Turning Stone actually does an interesting event. Um, so Turning Stone's bad beat, what they do is after it hits 25,000, it caps, and then on Sunday, they have a big promotion where at the, the Sunday after it caps, where they start to lower the bad beat qualifier every hour all the way down to aces full of tens using a single card. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I know a few people who have hit that promotion. It sometimes lasts for days. You would be surprised how hard it is to lose with aces full of tens, even o- even using only a single card. Right. Um, the, uh, the last time it went from all, from started on Sunday, went all the way till I think Monday, Monday around 10 o'clock p.m., um, I've seen it go for three days. I've seen it go so long. They've increased the bad beat from 25,000 to 35,000 just to make sure they can keep people in the room with that promotion still going. So there's definitely value there. If you are, are looking to do that though, to be fair, people are, if you're looking to play poker, uh, that may not be the best time to go because what you do, we see is a lot of people just calling flop and checking it down to the river, trying to get their trying to get their shot at 10 grand. So yeah. If you're trying to play poker, it may not be the best opportunity, but uh, there is money to be had there in terms of promotions. Okay, that's good stuff. Is there anything else happening in the Northeast that you'd like people to know about? Yeah, so uh, just in case anybody doesn't know, I'd like to just let uh, I'd like to tell you guys that uh, poker in the Northeast is starting to grow again. You know, we had a slow comeback after the pandemic and. You know, all the card rooms have opened up officially again. Everybody's starting now to extend their hours. There's more opportunity to play, especially overnight. You know, you get places like Boston that have scaled back their poker room. But even then, the uh, Boston Encore, you know, they they just applied to have their room uh, expanded uh, to a separate facility that they're going to build out specifically for a sports book and poker. I mean, they're only at, I think... 13 or 14 tables right now down from the 30-ish they had before but there are looking to expand and there's you know lots and lots of action to be had up in the northeast right now whether that be you know over niagara falls or in syracuse or in albany or in boston or in springfield or in new hampshire you know even down in philly i mean i i just looked parks is running 28 tables on a monday afternoon wow. so <laughs> So there's plenty of action to be had up in the Northeast right now. Yeah, I looked, I actually couldn't believe it. Um, It's weird how the center of poker in the Northeast has shifted from Foxwoods down to Borgata, Atlantic City. Now it looks like it's parks. I mean, I don't know how you could deny it after looking at those numbers. But Right, right. Well, that's good. What I'd like to do, if it's okay with you, I'd love to check back with you in about three weeks or so, see how maybe the start of that circuit event is going. And uh, if there's anything that's happening between now and then, you want to talk about that, then uh, let me know and we'll get you back on. Yeah, I mean, anytime you want to talk about New York State, uh, New York City casinos, they're they're going to be happening pretty soon. Okay, we are you know we have pretty limited information on that right now. I mean, they're definitely going to hand out licenses, but that's going to be right. you know big big news whenever that whenever that gets started to those get started to hand it out. So yeah 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 of course. Uh, if you hear anything come down, then uh, reach out to me and and we'll get on here and talk about it for sure. We'll do. All right, thank you very much, Thomas. Uh, thank you very much. Nice to be on.
All right, Brian Bly is our ambassador for the Ohio Western Pennsylvania area. He was the ambassador previously with Annie Up Magazine, and he's joined us again. How you doing, Brian? Real good, thanks, Joe. Congratulations on uh, the new venture. We're kind of getting the band back together yeah. with some of us old ambassadors. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's it's been great. Uh, every, they've all been helping out, that's for sure. Before we get too far, my first question to everybody is always, how you running? Well, you know, so far I'm, I'm still looking to get some momentum going here in 2023. Um, it's always fun when you get off to a hot start on any year, but uh, I've been spinning my wheels for the first six weeks or so <laughs> of this year, but you know. If, if we're six months in and I'm not doing anything, I'll, I'll be more worried, but I'm going to write this off as, uh, you know, just regular old variants. Sure. <laughs> well, um, you're the ambassador there for uh, Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. Is that where you're from? That's right. I'm, I'm based in, in the Cleveland area now. I'm originally from Cleveland. Um, I did live in Galveston, Texas for about four years in the 90s. And so I've got some ties to Texas. That's kind of my other hometown. And I've played down there in their poker clubs. It's it's an interesting change of pace from what I'm used to uh, up here in Ohio. But I can tell you that the Cleveland area has a, a rich tradition of poker. You know, even going back years ago when the only casinos were essentially Vegas and Atlantic City and maybe some card rooms in California, there's always been a huge um, home poker scene, uh, at least in the Cleveland area. As far back as I can remember, my dad was a member of a poker group. They would rotate uh, the hosting duties. They had records going back to the Great Depression. I think his poker club went on for 100 years almost. And wow. that's not uh, not unusual out here. So we've had casino poker in Ohio for approximately 10 years. And that certainly changed things. And in addition to all the home games and the, the few casinos that we have, there are a number of sort of these uh, these club games, these uh, these not quite home games in between somewhere. And then in your spare time, you're a lawyer there. So uh, I guess that would make you our our resident any up poker lawyer, right? That sounds good to me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not quite ready to go pro with the poker thing yet. I'm, I'm actually <laughs> uh, generating just a little more income as an attorney, but you know, who, who knows? Uh, I'm getting better day by day, hopefully. Well, I don't, I don't know if I should uh, mention this or not because uh, living there in the Cleveland area, but uh, you mentioned your ties to, to Texas a little bit. You said before that you were a Astros fan. Um, how does that go over there at the tables in Cleveland? Well, you know, it was. I, I have been known to wear my my hats and my jerseys, and, and been accused of, of cheating and whatnot uh, related <laughs> to that that sign stealing scandal from 2017. Right. Your listeners probably haven't heard. It's not. It wasn't talked about very much at all. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, having spent time in Cleveland and in Houston, um, the way things shook out, I kind of became a, a football fan for Cleveland. I've got season tickets to the Browns. But for baseball, I'm all Astros. It was never a problem years ago. The two teams didn't really play each other right. um, when they were in different leagues. Houston had to switch to the AL starting in 2013. Right. So that's been the source of a little bit of grief. But but having to choose, um, I'm keeping my blue and orange for baseball season. For sure. That's fair. That's fair. So speaking of the poker scene out there, um, I know, you know the MSPT started this week uh, at the Jack Cleveland Casino. I know that the casino there moved. So tell me a little bit about that. Okay. So yeah, I would say that post pandemic, Cleveland is really emerging and Jack Casino Cleveland specifically as kind of the poker capital of this part of the country. And I think it's fair to say that before the pandemic, Rivers Pittsburgh, I think probably held that title. They had a number of WPT events um, it seemed like every year there was a big WPT festival of some kind going on there. And that, for whatever reason, that has not happened post-pandemic. There's a number of factors coming together that have led to this result. I would say, number one, the poker room itself physically moved um, to a more desirable location in the casino. Okay. So um, this casino started out as a horseshoe property in 2012, but the poker room, poker was kind of the stepchild of that casino. <laughs> It was up on the third floor. It was out of the way. Unless you were really looking for it, you would never just happen upon it, if you know sure. what I mean. And just, it wasn't terribly player friendly. There were a lot of problems. 
But that seemed to change with the rebranding when this became a a Jack property. Things started to move in the right direction. I would say uh, the two things more recently are the hiring of Chris Lowe's as poker room manager, who is a Northeast Ohio native. He spent about seven years in Vegas in various roles with, you know, poker related to the casinos in Vegas and um, made the move to come back home to Ohio. And he is very much a poker guy, a poker player's poker room manager. He's implemented a lot of changes, player friendly, particularly in cash games. Tournaments continue to go well, but yeah, some of the changes to make the cash games more accessible, particularly in Omaha, I would say. And there does seem to be, I don't know if it's just a Cleveland thing, there seems to be a big bump in Omaha post-pandemic. But the other big factor is the relocation of the poker room to the more desirable location on the second floor. It's just a little bit brighter. Um, The old location had a lot of columns in the way. It felt sort of disjointed. You couldn't really see. And it's just bright and friendly and beautiful. And the, uh, the way that things are being run there. It really allows for somebody, for instance, who wants to uh, dip their toe in the water of cash game poker or tournament poker, particularly making the move from Hold'em to Omaha. It's it's a lot more accessible now than it was in the past. Okay. So they were planning on, on making this change a while back. The pandemic happened. And I guess what happened, as they told me recently, there was a pipe that burst somewhere in the building on the second floor where the poker room is now. And they said, okay, we've got to do this big repair anyway. The poker room's closed because of the pandemic. I guess now we're going to do it. And kind of the rest is history. So we do have um, an MSPT series going on. It starts today, a few hours ago. We're recording this on Thursday. And um, the first event was a a senior event that started at uh, 11.15 a.m. a few hours ago. So we don't have any winners yet to report. But I can tell you that, um, you know, this is a sizable event. The main event is an $1,100 buy-in event with a $500,000 guarantee. MSPT was here back in May of 22 and had a similar series, a similar main event uh, that drew 991 entrants. Okay. Um, so I, I have no reason to, ex- to think that they won't top a thousand this time around. Perfect. You know, and then I know that the Hollywood Poker Open comes in April. We'll talk about that maybe next time we get you on as well. But uh, what about uh, what about the cash game scene? Is there anything big happening out there with that? Well, uh, to me, the biggest thing is the increase at Omaha. Um, sure. When uh, Chris Lois, the poker room manager, was telling me that when he came to town, you know, he was shocked at what was going on in the Omaha game. And I told him as a player who had attempted to kind of dip my toe in the water of Omaha (laughs) that I was kind of blown out of the water. What would happen is you'd sit down and the game was supposedly a a one-two game. Sounds friendly enough. You buy in for $200, but you would sit down and there would be multiple players with $10,000 plus in front of them. Wow. Well, how is this happening? Well, you straddle from anywhere and this guy straddles and this guy straddles again. And boy, you know, I had to pick a spot. If I wanted to see a flop, that was going to be $200. Yeah. So, you know, it was just hard to uh, generate any momentum there. Um, so, you know, the, the Omaha games we have going now in Cleveland are, there's a, a two five with a rock. And I think a one, two with a rock. If your listeners aren't familiar with the rock, the rock is sort of Joe. Have you played with the rock? I have not. In fact, I was just getting ready to ask you about that. Okay, so the rock is is often um, kind of a bundle of chips together. It's sort of, it doesn't have any value. You can't cash out the rock. But if you win the pot, you get the rock, whatever it is. It's some physical object. And then um, on the next hand, you use it as a straddle. You're, you're in for $5 instead of the $2 big blind or something. So the action starts after the rock, wherever the rock is. But if they want to to come into the pot, it's it's five dollars if they want to limp in. Okay, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. You know, maybe some of the listeners have, but that's that's an interesting concept. Well, I've played with the rock in other games in the past, and a lot of times you had to use it as sort of I think they call it the Mississippi straddle, the under the gun straddle. You know, if you had the rock, you waited until you were under the gun, and then you put it out. Um, the way it's going in Cleveland. The next hand, no matter where you are, you put in the rock. It's it's up to uh, the bet is up to five, and um, it, it works pretty well. Nice, I like that. I like that. Well, listen, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be on here today. Uh, you know, I look forward to 
more. We'll check back in a few weeks and see how these tournaments are shaken out, and maybe we'll have some more news on uh, on that Hollywood Poker Open. Other than that, is there anything else you want the uh, listeners to know about the area there? No, I think we've covered it. I'm looking forward to uh, doing many more of these, Joe. All right. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks. It's time for Joe's One Outer. There are certain traits a good poker player possesses. Understanding risk-reward, the ability to read your opponents, money management. These can also be qualities needed to hold the office of President of the United States. There have been many of our Commanders-in-Chief that have played poker through the years. And in honor of President's Day, I thought it would be fun to go through a few of them. George Washington, our first president ever, had a love for cards. He even kept track of his wins and losses in a ledger he labeled Cards and Other Play. In the 1800s, poker began to spread quickly across the country, and a young Abraham Lincoln learned the game before he even became president while working on a boat that traveled up and down the Mississippi River. After the Civil War, Ulysses S. Grant played poker in office as did Theodore Roosevelt. In fact, during his famous fireside chats, you can hear him shuffling chips while speaking. Roosevelt even introduced a series of policies that he dubbed the square deal. The term was derived from the fact that poker games at the time had a reputation for having cheaters. So places that offered games would advertise that they were being dealt on the square, meaning there was no crookedness in the deal. Roosevelt's successor, William Howard Taft, also played cards. FDR played nickel stud, Several times a week. Harry Truman is said to have played the most poker of all the presidents. He even had a special chipset made that featured the presidential seal. Dwight D. Eisenhower called poker his favorite indoor sport. Lyndon Johnson loved the game, as did his successor Richard Nixon, who many say was the best poker-playing president. He was reported to have won 10 grand in a single session while in the Navy, and used that money to fund his first congressional campaign. Our presidents have a uniquely independent job. Sure, they surround themselves with the wisdom of talented and experienced people, but as Harry Truman once said, the buck stops here. Maybe that's why we're so familiar with the before and after photographs that illustrate the accelerated aging process while in office. These leaders deserve some time to relax and unwind. Poker provides them with an outlet to do just that, as well as an opportunity to test their wits against other players. It's also a way for presidents to bond with their friends and advisor. So, the next time you sit down to play a game of poker, remember, you're just following the footsteps of some of America's most famous leaders. That's today's one-outer, and that's today's show. See you next time, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcasts at anyupmagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at anyupmagazine.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.